Hello and welcome to the Lights on a Screen podcast. I'm your host, Jacob London. I straight up nearly forgot what the name of the podcast was for a second there. I, it has oh been my God. too long since we have actually, since we have done this. Uh, it's been a week. Um, <laughs> I am joined by my wonderful co-panelists as always. Taylor Robinson, how are you? I'm good. This is a uh, love that's already going off the rails and we haven't even gotten into the introductions yet. So, you know. Feels feels very on brand. We're back to normal. Yeah. We're back. Yeah. <laughs> We're back. We're also joined by Elena. How are you from across the ditch? I'm I'm great. I'm on the wrong side of the ditch, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm good. I'm ready to talk some movies. Well, Taylor. Yes. We actually started going back to the movies. We did. How's it feel? Good. Like we we we've kind of been really bad with actually seeing movies this yeah. year. Um, yeah, well. but this week we we made a, a vaunted effort. Yeah, and uh, so we actually finally <laughs> saw Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, uh, we're gonna do a full episode on it. Uh, we are gonna have a bonus episode of that as a full episode, so we're not gonna dive too deeply into it right now. No, but it was it was a lot. It was. Yeah. It was brutal. It that was... movie is brutal. Uh, I think. Listen, I am going to be pretty furious if she doesn't walk away with an Academy Award after that. <laughs> like with when you're yeah. in a movie with Leo and Robert De Niro and like just a like a cast like that. And I walk away going her. It's her <laughs> movie. Like Lily was so Literally. good. So good. Like to not get swallowed up by either of them because mm. Robert De Niro was also just I, the phenomenal. Best, I think he's the best De Niro's been in He was so years. good. Like, I, I can't remember the last oh, time I've seen De Niro this good. No. Um, so I that was the one. Those were like two things I really took away from it. Like Lily was great. De Niro was great. Leo's always great. But like to me, it was Lily and Robert De Niro that I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I... I've come. I've not. I'm not as where I was when I first came around. But when I first walked out, I thought Leo was may have been miscast. Um, I think. I, but now I'm like, eh, no, okay. Actually, I think I, I kind of get where they were going with it. I just think I think he's too old for the role when it f- first starts. So when he comes in, is like, you're a young man, and I'm like, no, you're fucking not. <laughs> but <laughs> I, mean, I can listen, see your crows. Listen, listen, listen. Life was rough back then. Okay. <laughs> People didn't have sunscreen and moisturizer, and we did. We can't all look twenty five forever, like back in the day. That's not how it worked. Um, it's true. I uh, but the one other big thing, my big takeaway from this, outside of oh my god, one of the most brutal uh directors cameos I've ever seen, oh and just god. oh that was just so brutally handled and brilliant. Um, I is the casualness of evil. Yeah. And I think that is just what this movie does so well is just they are pure evil and it's just a casuality about it. And they're just the way they're talking about it is just so casually. It's just, just how it is. Like it's just they just talk about it like they're like talking about having breakfast or like yeah, whatever. I, and I think that's the real strength of the film is you just you you are never given a like you know, I, I don't understand people who can walk away watching this movie thinking that um, Leo's sympathetic at all. No. That Ernest is a sympathetic character. I think he is. 
I think it the movie makes it pretty obvious who is terrible and who's not. Yeah. Like, you know, but anyway. So so that was one that we we finally got around to watching. Uh, I'm so glad we did because it was fantastic. And another one that unfortunately Lainey hasn't had the chance to see. I don't actually know when you guys are getting it for us to be able to do an episode on it. It is? Uh, the Holdovers. Yeah, I think it's next year, like Ooh. January, February. So Ooh, great. Yeah. This is one of my favorite movies of the year. It's brutal. Remember how we just said Killers was brutal? This is brutal, but in just a whole different, like, it's it, it's it's a drama that has some great comedy in it, but it's pretty heavy. Yeah, uh, I'd heard people. I'd heard a few people calling this movie a warm hug. Mm. I yeah, don't that's know. That's like all I've heard, and I'm like, it's I don't, not. I don't know. It, yeah, it's not a warm hug. Like it. Okay. I, I want to go to every single person who said it's a warm <laughs> hug and say, "Are you okay?" <laughs> because like, it's. Like, I can kind of, if you squint really hard, see where it's a warm hug. But, like, and it is also, I think, also an uplifting movie. Like, I do think it that is. there like, isn't... It's, it's hopeful in points, but yeah. I wouldn't say that it's, like... Like, I think you need to be emotionally prepared going into the movie. I yeah. don't think it's going to greet you like a warm hug and make you feel all sunshine and daisies. Like, no, that's, that's not what's I, I don't happen. think that's this movie at all. <laughs> I, I think this one is very much a... No, there's a, a brutal reality to it. and Again, this cast is awesome. Paul Giamatti kills it. And for a first performance, Dominic Sessa... He's fantastic. He is, he is fantastic. Um, I'm going to be very Good ups- Lord. I'm going to be very uh, upset is, when he doesn't get that fifth nominee. This is going to be Gabriel Bell all over yeah. again. This yep. is going to be my Fableman's campaign all over again, <laughs> where it's like, ah. Uh, um, and she's great. Uh, Devine Joy Randolph, I think, is her yeah. name. As Mary. Oh. This again. This is just this cast is so the movie's really great. I think the script is really well written. I think it's directed really well. You get the vibe. You get the vibe of the and the aesthetic of the time period you're supposed to be in. If, if like, someone had told me, "Hey, this was a lost movie from the seventies," you would one hundred percent believe it. The yeah. entire thing oh. just feels like a movie. Like outside of obviously, I know what Paul G. I know that Paul Giamatti is an actor working today, and that's what he looks like today. I would have one hundred percent gone. Yeah, no, this feels like a, a lost movie from, from the, the from the seventies. That's yeah, exactly 100%. what it is, and it's it's really well done. I think the entire aesthetic is really well handled, and yeah, just a beautiful, just a a really beautiful film, a yeah. really really beautiful film. So if you haven't seen the holdovers, um, in America it is all, uh, it has its wide release this week. Yeah. Um, in Australia, I'm very Good sorry. Good luck to you. <laughs> it's the, yeah, it's the 11th of January. So, oh, so you'll hear our episode on that at some point <laughs> in January. <laughs> Yeah. Unless Lainey gets a screening. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Lainey gets very lucky and is able to have a screening of it sometime earlier. Because <laughs> I really can't wait to talk about it. I, I'm fascinated by what you think of this movie. But uh, Lainey, what have you been watching? Okay, so not too much outside of the movie we're going to talk about. But I have a few. Um, first, I want to talk about I saw Stop Making Sense in cinemas, which was a great experience um I certainly wasn't like 
there was our cinema we chose like the wrong day and time and cinema to go to we went on like a monday night because it's all we could fit um but like there was all most of the cinema was like old people which is fair enough it's like a film from the 80s but or whenever i actually don't know yeah, it's the um, 80s. hold on let me check pretty yeah, sure it's the 80s. The 80s, yeah. um so yeah and there was like one girl next to me who was just dancing in her seat going crazy and she like went next she turned to me she was like am I like shaking your seat or anything and she certainly was but she was having such a good time that I was like no you're fine keep going <laughs> just enjoy it just embrace just enjoy it because it. she was like the only person with energy in the room because all these screenings I've seen across Australia there's been people at the front dancing oh, having wow. a good time but yeah it was incredible certainly one of the best concert films ever made like the people say um and if you haven't seen it i definitely recommend it but it's definitely um i can imagine it's enhanced in a cinema so maybe wait till it's showing at a cinema but that might be a while if you live overseas <laughs> no it's, um, it, it's been and gone here oh it's been and gone I yeah we missed any, it like, no we missed Australia it thing. no okay. it, it came That's out good. so um it played for one week and then Taylor Swift came into town and stole every single screening. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we we got it for a week and we just missed it. I, I wanted to go yeah. see it, but we missed it. There was in Sydney and Melbourne, they were showing it in IMAX and I was like, oh, yeah, that would be same incredible. Here. Yeah, that would be incredible. Um, but yeah, and then we watched all the um, Hunger Games movies, of course, in the lead up. Um, which was good because I had only really rewatched Catching Fire a lot and the rest I haven't really revisited. Um, but we'll talk about those movies later, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, and then I saw Saltburn, which are we <laughs> doing an episode about that? We when you will. See it? Well, we see it next week, so we'll yeah, do a full yeah. episode. But if you want to give us our, your quick thoughts. Uh, that I, movie. I, yeah. <laughs> So what what is it about it that you just without didn't, spoilers, without like, spoilers or anything? Yeah, why no, is it? It's just it's like basically my letterbox like quick letterbox review was that everyone who had seen it from at festivals or early screenings here were like it's sex fueled and it's crazy and it's like this descent into madness and it's just provocative and blah blah blah. And then you watch it and it's like, oh, that was, that was just like boring and shallow and nothing, you know, okay. like it's, tr it's definitely trying to be all those things with some scenes that are a bit shocking, but it's like trying to be shocking when mm. not, it's not actually that deep, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you guys will see what I mean, hopefully, but I do have a few friends who like literally adored it. So I could be alone on my own island, but we'll see. So next week could be a um, fun episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll talk about that more next week. But, yeah, that's just my quick thoughts. All right. So uh, let's move on to Lainey. You got to go to Biff. Unfortunately, we live in a different country, so we weren't able to experience Biff. You weren't going to travel all that way. I literally can't. I still literally can't. So... Um, but yeah, so so, do you want to tell us how was Biff? How was the experience, and how were the movies that you actually got to see at Biff? Look, I when the movies like the program was released, a lot of people were a bit disappointed. I think because it had a lot less films than last year, and also 
it seemed like the quality was not as good. Um, and yeah, there weren't that many movies I wanted to see. A lot of them were like Blake wanted to see them, so I tagged along. Um, but I was actually pleasantly surprised when the festival ended because there was a lot of like, it was definitely quality over quantity this year. Um, and a lot of like five, four star movies from it. Um, and yeah, it was a good festival experience. Some movies I feel sorry for because I it was probably like festival fatigue, like in terms of me not liking it. Um, but I shall, I reckon I'll just start from the first day and go from there. Okay. So my first movie I saw was Monster, directed by, um, hold on, Hirokazu Koreeda, um, incredible filmmaker. I'd only seen shoplifters before this but um monster was an incredible way to kick off biff and i it exceeded literally every single expectation <laughs> i had because from the synopsis the trailer it seemed and even like the first because it's told in like three acts almost and the first act genuinely i thought this was like a, an actual like sci-fi like monster movie <laughs> And then it continues and it's just like something completely different and you're just floored. Um, and it had a lot of layers to it. It's like a thriller thrown through. So it's making, and it's kind of a mystery. So it's making you piece things together as the film goes along. Um, and yeah, the whole time I was just sucked in and poor Blake next to me was like bawling his eyes out for 30 minutes and I had no idea <laughs> and then at the end of the movie I'm like okay let's go and then I mm -hmm. go into the light and he's just got tears tear marks on his face and I was like oh oh my god <laughs> are you okay um because it didn't affect me emotionally as much as it did him but yeah it was an incredible movie at first they gave it four stars but then I was like no nah, this is this is five stars after we like had like a two-hour conversation about it um, that opens yeah. in like two weeks here you have to see it. i i it's limited i'm hoping when we're in la we yeah, can go see that it nice, that's actually. one i'm really like oh i need to maybe go see it don't know if you're gonna be emotionally okay probably not oh oh it's <laughs> i feel like it'll ruin taylor <laughs> great. Specifically. great i love personal attacks <laughs> um but yeah, it's great. So everyone go see it when you can. Um, have no idea when it comes out in Australia. Probably doesn't even have a release here. So <laughs> stay tuned, I guess. <laughs> um, and then second day, we watched two movies. The first was Perfect Days, directed by Wim Wenders. Um, and this was definitely like super just meditative. The first like, how long does it go for? Yeah, the first hour is just like groundhog day of this um man who cleans toilets in tokyo and he just has a very structured routine he doesn't deviate from that routine but then one of his family members comes back into his life and it's just so peaceful and beautiful and it's just basically a film about finding the beauty in little moments and yeah it's super slow um but I think if you are into the film enough and the film's themes, then it flies by and it's really wonderful to watch. Um, so I also recommend that. Uh, the third film was Mars Express, which is an animated film, like a sci-fi kind of 
shit I'm not interested in kind of thing. <laughs> but it was like the animation was and the visuals were impressing. So I gave it like a three star, but I fell asleep. So <laughs> that was that. Um, and then day three, I saw May, December, which was definitely a highlight of the festival. Um, this comes out in like February here. So we caught it really early, which I'm glad. It's um, it's out right now. Like I was, if we weren't doing this, I would probably be going to see it tonight. Um, we still may go see it tonight, or I may. I don't know yet. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, I am excited for it though. I, I have been. I really would be so keen to, to see what you both think about it because I think you'd have pretty different opinions. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's pretty heavy, but and darkly comedic at times. But also, so a Todd Hayes movie. <laughs> yeah, but but. This was the worst case of film festival crowds. Oh, no. Oh, my God. There were moments that people were cackling. And I was like, this is depressing. Why are we laughing? Dude is having, like, a mental breakdown. Why are we laughing? <laughs> like, there's a moment where it's, like, one of Charles Melton's, like, oh, my God, he needs to win an Oscar for this scene alone. And everyone's like, <laughs> I'm like, no, not actually. Um, but yeah, so that was like, that kind of ruined it a little bit, but I tried not to focus on stupid people. Um, so yeah, Natalie Portman stealing the show. Uh, Julianne Moore is just at her peak here. It's all around really good. There, I was really close to giving it five stars, but it kind of dragged a little bit at times, but I think if I rewatched it, it could probably get close because it's. I'll be thinking about it for a while. It's very, very good. Um, and then that afternoon, we saw Robot Dreams, another animated film that is like a silent film that basically there's no dialogue. Um, but it's one of those animated cute kids movies that should probably only be like 40 minutes. <laughs> um, but it goes on for an hour and 40 minutes. Oh. Um, so, yeah, it was, I, again, fell asleep. Um, and, yeah, it's adorable and it's bittersweet and dreamy. But overall, it's like this should just be like a short film. You know what I mean? Um, and then a good old Aussie film for Halloween. I saw The Late, late Night with the Devil. Which, oh, I need to see. Oh this. my God, Jacob, you have to see Taylor. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see it. I a... don't even know if it has a date here yet. Well, I don't think it has a date here. Even I have no idea. But it's so stylized. It's spooky, and just the cinematography and screenplay and the way it like leans into the seventies talk show aesthetic was just so pleasing. Um, and the fact there's just two dudes from like Kenmore <laughs> is just so epic. Um, so yeah, I was blown away by that, and it was like perfect Halloween night viewing. Um, so if anything, anyone wants a movie to watch next Halloween, I recommend that. Ugh, I don't think we're gonna get it in theaters because Shutter got it, so I think it's gonna go straight uh, to a streaming service. Honestly, though, like it's a good theater movie but i certainly like that is a movie that would probably gain a lot at home yeah like, like shutter's well. probably the best people for it if it's not a24 or show. something yeah yeah it's got that talk show aesthetic so it's like watching it in your living room would be like 
prime viewing. Mm. Um, so yeah, really recommend that if you can get around to it. <sighs> and then I did the gay double feature. <laughs> now listen, it was strange way of life first and all of us strangers second, basically right after the other. Strange way of life is just a commercial. It is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and considering it has freaking Pedro Pascal and Ethan Hawke being gay together. Oh, right. Yeah. Yep. The short. I was yeah, like, which one is this? That oh, that's the, yep. The short. That's right. It's just a commercial. Like, it's just nothing happens. And it's just, I don't know. I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, but that was another one where film festival crowds suck because they would just kiss and everyone would be like, oh my God, that's so funny. It's like, what do you mean? That's just Australian crowds. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I just couldn't understand. Um, but then, yeah, enough about that movie. That was my like least favorite of the festival, I guess. Um, but then All of Us Strangers was my favorite of the festival because, oh my God, that's another one that will ruin Taylor. So go in with yeah. caution. Yeah, no, I'm not ready for that one. No, I don't think anyone should be. I think that's going to be our last movie of the year too. Really? Because we get it like Christmas Day. Yeah. And it's like it's yeah. one of the last ones and it's a limited. So like it might be a we're driving to LA for a movie, yeah, one specific <laughs> movie. Like it might be one of those cases so that we can see it this year and be like, all right, yeah. let's put it on we'll the list. We'll figure it out. But Yeah, because that's... I've been excited for that movie for a long no, time. No, that's so. that's one that I'm like, I would drive to LA for that. Like yeah. I like the way people keep talking about it, I need to go see this dick goddamn movie. So yeah. 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 It is devastating. It's so beautifully directed and written. Um there are moments that personally affected me that I was just like hit like a just by a truck and yeah, just I don't even want to say anything about it because even like people read the synopsis. I didn't read that before I went in, and I'm glad I didn't because while it's like in the trailer and the synopsis, like the whole premise of the movie, I guess, going in and not like knowing a certain element of the film to me was so much better because you kind of have to figure it out. Um, but I mean, if you read the synopsis, it's literally right there. So do what you want, I guess. Um, but I literally don't even, I didn't even write a review for this movie. My, like on Letterboxd, I just said, no words, just tears, talk later. <laughs> and then I was like, I sat at my computer trying to write a review on Instagram and I was like, this is not. It's happen. been a month like, and it's still, no, nah, can't talk about it. <laughs> I just, it's just like one of those films where it's just too personal to form like. Fair. Critical thoughts about. That's like when people try to talk to me about La La Land. I'm like, no, I like. What do you want me to say? <laughs> it's just great. I don't know. Um, so so yeah, don't expect that's... the All of Us Strangers uh, two-hour deep dive. Yeah. We're all just going to sit there and she's going to be silent just... for about 15 <laughs> minutes. We're just going to cry. It's actually just going to be a crying podcast. <laughs> Trauma dumping. Um, literally. And then the next day I saw Rice Boy Sleeps, which I was pretty excited for, and it's a great film, but... How long does it go for? Two hours? I was asleep for an hour and a half of it. So my review was Laney Sleeps. <laughs> um, so next uh, was Anatomy of a Fall. 
which we'll definitely do in episode. We will. Yeah. We're we're getting it. there. We're getting there. We yeah. we will get when around does that come to it. Out again? It's, it's been out. out. I we we oh, need to find right, time yeah. to see it. Um we really like I actually know. we we might need to go tonight because I think it's almost finished here actually. So Yikes. But yeah, it was a great film. I definitely think it's got potential at the Oscars. Not sure in how many categories, but it's probably going to be I mean, it's not completely a foreign film, but it's probably going to be one of those foreign films that gets nominated in best picture um and then the next day was the worst double feature i've ever done in my life of smoke sauna sisterhood which is a completely bittersweet like tragic documentary um about basically this community in estonia where women come to this sauna that this woman has set up to share their darkest secrets and it's pretty triggering and like traumatic for for women to watch and for men it's definitely gonna it would, would have been a wake-up call um but it's oh it's just absolutely stunning and I went in pretty blind so I'm gonna let everyone else do that too but I have a full review up on Letterboxd and Instagram that explains more of it but it's also just like the visuals are some of the best I've seen in some documentaries recently. So it's all in all an incredible film. I gave it five stars. It's going to be one of my favorites of the year for sure. Um, and then I decided to match that with poor things, which was, that's why I think with poor things, I didn't like it that much. And that was one festival fatigue. Cause it was my second last of the festival. And two, I saw it after like, literally like 30 minutes after this tragic <laughs> like <laughs> depressing documentary um but yeah poor things when do you guys get that mid-december right yeah same with us yeah yeah i, I think it's, i think we it's got a, that so early yeah i think it's a day and date one i think just because it is yeah it's like the big festival movie so far this year mm. so um i am very Look, jealous that you got it so early <laughs> yeah um, I feel like considering everyone else I know who's seen it literally loves it. I think Blake and I are on our own island and maybe when we rewatch it, when it comes out, we'll change our opinion. Um, but yeah, like it's Yorgos Lanthimos. He, his filmmaking chops are just insane. Like dude knows how to make a movie and this is incredibly stylistic. Like definitely his, the craziest he's gone in terms of the production design, the cinematography, all of that. And Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo are insane. I did not expect Mark Ruffalo to be that good in this movie. Um, and Emma Stone, like, if she wins Best Actress, I won't be mad. Um, but beyond that, it was just the first maybe 40 minutes was great. But then from there, it hits a point. Um, it hits, like, a part of the movie because there's basically – it's kind of separated – and it's just repetitive, a bit boring. A for a lot of people, that was like their favorite part of the movie. But for me, I just felt it was a bit too much all at once. Um, you guys will know what I mean when you see it. Okay. But <laughs> for some people, that's like, I think that honestly, that happens with most Yorgos films for me. I love him as a director. Like I'm always going to be excited for a new project of his, but all his movies always hit a point where I'm just not interested anymore. 
I'm not sure why, but that's just kind of how they happen for me. Like, The Favourite is one of my, like, I love that movie so much, but I can't rewatch it very often because sometimes it just gets a bit boring. Um, so, yeah, it just, I think it just suffers from the two hour and 20 minute runtime as well. Like, it just does not need to be that long. But great film. I'm literally the only person who thinks all of this. Um, so <laughs> don't listen to me, I guess. But when it has a wide release, we'll see for sure. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that was Poor Things. And then the final film was The Royal Hotel, another Australian one, um, which is very Australian. It's these two American backpackers go and work in like a remote town in like a pub. And it's pretty scary at times to be honest um in terms of the themes and like some of the characters being typical creepy Aussie dudes (laughs) um but yeah good film I mean it's nothing special but I would recommend it if you have the time to see it I'm not sure it's what out. It's, it's getting no. It's oh, it's, it's been out? out. It's been out. <laughs> One of our friends saw it. Oh wait, yeah, hated yeah. It's, um, it. it's actually coming out. It's actually coming out here in like two weeks or something, which yeah. we only realized after we bought the tickets to go see it at Biff, and we were like, yeah. we literally just could have waited like two seconds. <laughs> um, but no, it's fine. We we enjoyed it, and I think it's a pretty solid film and a good way to end the festival. Bit of Aussie cinema, but yeah, that's that. That was Biff. Well, yeah, um, we didn't get to do Biff. No. No, unfortunately, but we are going to try and do some more festivals now that we're in the States. We can actually start going to some, which will be exciting next year, but uh, on top of a wedding and I was going to say, I don't know if we'll have time next year, but... After that, maybe. (laughs) We'll see. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's move on to our main topic today. We are, of course talking about the latest Hunger Games film. It's back. We're apparently in, it is 2012 all over again. A new Hunger Games movie in 2023. This is the Hunger Games, the, uh, about the ballad of Songbird and Snakes. The Hunger Games, they're to punish the districts. Those tributes don't have a choice. Your role is to turn these children into spectacles, not survivors. Smile. It's why we have teeth. Imagine it was your name that they pulled. Strange things happen here. I just want to know that somebody still cared about me, that I was still of value. Welcome to the capital. So, where is everyone on the Hunger Games franchise? Taylor, I'm going to start with you. Oh, great. Thanks for not giving me a second to figure that out. Um, I can go because I made a ranking last night if you want. Okay. Lainey, you can go while Taylor thinks about it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, because I rewatched all of them um, last week, made a little ranking. Um, basically, Catching Fire is a goat, and we all know that. <laughs> like, we don't have to discuss yeah. that. Everyone knows it. Um, I definitely rewatching the original. Um, it was interesting because I definitely liked it less than I thought I did. Um, which I think is a directing problem, probably. Because um, that was like the only one not directed by Francis Lawrence, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Francis Lawrence is just where it's at. He just, and I'm so glad that he did this new one as well. Um, 
but yeah, so Hunger Games was like mid tier for me, but I still love it. Like it's still the OG. It's incredible. Um, and then the Mockingjay movies, which I think is a kind of a universal. It's good, but it's not great, especially compared to the first two. Um, I definitely like the second one better than the first, which apparently is a controversial opinion. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I feel like most people acknowledge that the second one is a better movie, but when it comes to like how people personally like rank them, like maybe it's controversial. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know all my friends had the f- second one as like two stars, terrible. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. But I was watching like most of them in cinemas when they came out. Like I have a, such a vivid memory of like sitting with my best friend at the time watching the um, Mockingjay Part One and seeing Finnick die was like the pinnacle of my depression at that age because <laughs> she had like read the books and I hadn't and she was just looking at me when it was happening and I was like what's gonna happen what are you doing like I literally remember exactly what cinema I was in where I was like it's just such a, one of those really vivid memories I don't know why um really changed me as a person I guess um but yeah it was the, the franchise I hold really dear to my heart so when they announced that they were doing the prequel I was worried, but ultimately, like, it was Francis Lawrence doing it. It was a good cast. I was like, I have a bit of hope. And then, yeah, so we'll, we'll get into that. But, yeah. Every generation goes through the prequel with the original yeah, director. Yeah. Oh, you get, like, Star Wars. Hey, George Lucas is coming back and doing the prequel. Uh, Harry Potter, hey, David Yates is coming back and he's doing the prequels. The Hobbit, hey, Peter Jackson's coming back and he's doing the prequel. And now we have The Hunger Games. Francis Lawrence is coming back and he's doing the prequel. Um, <laughs> Taylor, where, where, where are you? So, like, obviously you and I are a different generation than Lainey when it comes to mm. these movies. Yeah. Because... Um, so where are you with Hunger Games and how is your connection to this franchise? So um, for me, like I didn't grow up reading the Hunger Games books like I did the Harry Potter books, but I have read them all. Like I've read all the Hunger Games books, um, but I read them, I think, after the first movie came out. Um, and... Like, I do remember going to go see them. I remember vividly trying to go see the last one, Mockingjay Part 2, because, like, my friend and I were, like, going and, like, our, like, car broke down and we got lost, <laughs> like, on the way there. And it was, like, a whole, like, we were in, like, like on some back street where we, like, had no idea. It was, like, middle of Flagstaff. Like, it was, like, negative two outside. Like, it was a whole, it was a whole thing. Like, <laughs> like it's trying to go see that last movie was an experience. <laughs> That's my vivid memory of, of that. And unfortunately, it was Mockingjay. <laughs> and if, and I don't dislike Mockingjay as much as everybody else seems to. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't think either of the Mockingjay movies are as good as the other two. But I don't have this whole, like, ugh <laughs> thing that most people seem to have. Because people hate fun, and I don't know what to tell you. Um, 
under the bus I go. <laughs> I, I, I'll just throw you under it as often as I can. Um, but for me, I do think Catching Fire is the most well-made. Like, I do think, qu- like, quality-wise, it is the best movie. Um, I don't know if I would say... It's hard for me. I don't know if I would personally say I like it more than the first one. Um, just because the first one is like a comfort movie for me. Like I'll just throw it on and I'll just watch it when I have one of those things that I just want like familiar, like to watch, Mm. I'll just put it on. Um, like my, my, for some reason I don't resort to catching fire when I do that. Like I always do the first movie. I I just really like it for some reason. Mm. It's got a different feel because obviously it's a different director, but I think as like that kind of introduction into the world, I kind of like that it's rough around the edges a little bit as a film like catching fire feels a lot more polished and i think that makes sense for the second movie um but i don't know for the first movie for some reason i just think it's like kind of made exactly how it should have been made um so i really really like the first movie a lot and then i do i do enjoy both mockingjay movies like i don't think they're as good quality wise as the first two but i do like still walking watching the mockingjay movies like i just it to me the whole franchise is one of the most rewatchable. Like I just get a lot of enjoyment out of sitting down and doing the whole thing. It's uh, it's funny. I think this is out of all the franchises that I, we, that we own physically. I think this is the one that we own the most. I think we have the most copies of this, this, movie, yeah, this franchise, so. which is ironic because I, I'm obviously catching fire. I, 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 it is universally, I think, accepted. The catching fire is the best one of these films, um, as in most well-made, best, like, just because I think it's the one that nails the concept the best, and I think it's the one that is that also then has that ending where it's like, what's next? And it's exciting, and it's a weird ending, and it's like I, I think that's uh, a big part of it too. And it's one of the few movies like that that pulled it off where people didn't go, oh, they're clearly just baiting you into seeing a sequel. Yeah. Like, and no, it actually works as the ending yeah. for that film. Um, Personally, I'm not a fan of either Mockingjays. I think both of them. I think that they suffer from the 20, the the problem of uh, the, 2000, uh, the 2010s where it was, hey, we're just going to part two everything because trilogies aren't enough money for us we have to make them four films uh but i i and part and the first hunger games movie i think is also one of those ones where it's the the more time gone i think yeah it hasn't quite aged as well for me personally either i think it, it is it is very rough around the edges um it it is it is fascinating for me this franchise i think this franchise is one of the most important that we've had in the last decade. Cause I think that the era of young adult, of these young adult novels came from hunger games. Every, like, you know, I, I was saying this like twilight is, was huge. And twilight was a massive reason for why, where the industry went, but twilight got tw- twilight is the reason the hunger games got made. Hunger games is the reason that, Maze Runner, Divergent, The Giver, all these other ones started to get made because Hunger Games made $150 million in March, which had never happened in history before. And suddenly they went, oh, we're going to start making these movies. And that's a huge thing. 
uh, I mentioned all the prequels before and how, you know, and, and histor- historically speaking, the prequel that is 10 years later after the franchise has ended, that's got the original director coming back and it's got, I mean, this one and, and you know, telling the origin of, of X historically, they're not particularly good. Uh, you know, especially to the fans of the franchise, you know, uh, Phantom Menace, not the most beloved Star Wars movie. Because everyone's wrong. (laughs) Um, Fantastic Beasts, not the most beloved Harry Potter. Everyone's right about that one. Everyone's right about that one. I'll give everyone, yeah, they're right about that one. The the Hobbit, not the most beloved Middle Earth uh, films. Uh, Probably the most out of all of them uh, that are the most, like, accepted uh, at, at least yeah. by the yeah. f- original yeah. fans, not, um, you know, the the 15-year-later revivalists who, hey, I grew up with these movies. Yeah. Um, this is uh, – so I think this Hunger Games movie is by far the best of the four fre- of the four prequels, like, that we've ever had, like, where they've gone, hey, we're doing the, the prequel franchise. I think this one is hands out one of the better movies of this franchise in general. I think it's the second best in of of this franchise. I think it's second only to Catching Fire. Mm. Um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed majority of this movie. I think two-thirds of this film was damn near close to being this might be better than Catching Fire. I was thoroughly enjoying enjoying it and I was really into it. I just have massive problems with the third act. Personally, I think the third act drags a lot. I'm going to start calling you third act man. I know, I know. <laughs> I was going to say, after the conversation we had last week when you yeah. were like, oh, the third act, I was like, sir. Yeah, I know. I'm just going to, I'm going to make a t-shirt for you that, that <laughs> says I don't like the third act. <laughs> I don't like when movies end. <laughs> no, this, <laughs> uh, I wish this movie knew how to end. Um, But I, I, that and I think that is a big problem I have with this. That being said, the cast phenomenal. I think the cast in this movie phenomenal. I think the directing for the most part is very good. Um, the 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 biggest takeaway I had from this though that is that differentiates it from the original Hunger Games films. The kills in this are brutal. Like they are more brutal than I think any of Hunger Games movies have ever been. They they went right up to the line of PG-13, spat on it, and somehow were still allowed to get away with it. Because I, I there there's some kills in this where I'm like, how were you allowed to show that in PG-13? I I do not know. Um so I think that's that's impressive. I also really love the strip back hunger games like where it's not we're just crazy and over the top like it it did really feel like hey this is the 10th this is something that has just started this is something that doesn't have the crazy over the top technology yet and i i did really like that so i i I think uh this one is a good movie not a great one no um but no 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 you can't no after the way you gushed about the first two thirds of it you're not allowed to say it's not a great movie that's misrepresentation okay fair (laughs) enough all right um i think how okay how about i think it is a very very good 
Mm. I can't go great. I, I, you, I just you, I, you can. four stars is great, and I can't give it four stars. I, I, I'm not at four stars for this movie, but uh, that's where I'm at in my non-spoilers. We'll get it to in, get to it in spoilers, but right now, I, I think this is a very, very good film. Taylor, no, I'm not even looking at you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Taylor's not talking to me at the moment. So, uh, lady, do you want to talk? Uh, where are you on uh, this movie? Yeah, I agree with you in terms of um, it's second only to Catching Fire. Um, I'm not going to give you sh- complete shit to like for that third act problem because, like, I don't think there's a problem with the third act. I just, for me, which is why I love Catching Fire so much, the Hunger Games is at its best when it's the Hunger Games. <laughs> and that's what I like love to watch most um which i guess is sick and twisted <laughs> but you're part of the um, problem lady <laughs> yes i am um but anyway no i loved the third act as well but yeah the first and second especially the second i was just floored it was incredible um but yeah if you know me you know that i love an origin story so like the prequel where you're introduced to new characters and like finding out the inner workings of this villain that you already know it's really up my alley so I was just so hooked the whole time um and yeah like you said Jacob the acting is incredible literally no one I can just fault no one in this film especially not Jason Schwartzman who oh my god just sells it um as lucky flickerman i because that was one character that when i realized he was in it and playing basically like stanley tucci's character in the originals i was like how is he gonna live up to that and he sure did Mm. and it was hilarious um but yeah he was like just a little tidbit highlight for me i we were just cacking ourselves with some of the stuff he said um but yeah hunter schaefer tom blythe rachel zegler just incredible stuff um especially rachel zegler really i mean i knew she was a great actress but this really surprised me um and she you could tell by her presence online how much she loves this character and it really shows on screen and she really gave it the care it needs um and she understood that this is a very beloved franchise and her like how lucky she is to be a part of it you know what i mean um so yeah, I don't know what else to say without spoilers, but I yeah, great film. Um that's it. <laughs> I think that's it. Tell. Um yeah, I don't really know if there's much else I can say that you guys haven't kind of already said without getting too much into it. Um I think yeah, the cast was really great. Viola Davis was the MVP. Like, she was having the best oh time, and she was yeah. killing it while she was doing it. Like, you know how you, like, watch some actors, and you're like, oh, well, at least you know they're having fun, even though it's not a great movie. No, she was, like, in it. Like, she was she was in it, and she was awesome. Uh, I was terrified of her. I was like, I, no thanks. I imagine that makeup, like having to wear that costume and that makeup really just puts you in the mind. The, the, the contact lenses alone, I just looked at those contact lenses and I was like, they must be so irritating Probably. that you are just instantly in this character. <laughs> like but, just instantly. Um, but she was great. Um, 
Josh Andres Rivera. Rivera. Um, he was great um, as Plinth. Mm-hmm. Like, he is so good. I hope that, like, they just keep doing this thing where him and Rachel Zegler just keep getting to be in movies together. <laughs> like, make it the new, like, Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling thing where they just keep putting them in movies because mm. they're both phenomenal actors, but they're also great together. Mm. Um, so that was awesome to see. Um, yeah, I the thing, I guess, other than the performances that really stood out to me is something that I haven't um, really gotten to hammer home because we haven't really had a podcast this year to really talk about stuff, but it's the same thing that I say to everyone about Barbie practical sets, Mm. practical sets, practical sets. It looked phenomenal because they were physically on sets and things were built and it looked tangible and real. Like, can you, I'm sorry. Can you imagine how shit that all would have looked if it was just one big CGI arena. Yeah. And like the yeah. manor, like the snow mansion was just like CGI and everything. Like you could tell. Like, honestly, the worst shot in the movie is the fight is, is where is the one on when he's walking up towards the statue. Yeah. And you like, you can oh, tell the statue is CGI. CGI. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like yeah. the worst shot in the movie. But, but the thing is you can tell cause the rest of it looks yeah. so real. Like everything else in the movie looks and feels tangible because it's real sets and real Mm. props and real things and i think it's just um such a testament to it because it's you know had what a hundred million dollar budget and and movies that are twice or three times as expensive look so much worse because it's all just visual Mm. effects and cgi like that was such a huge thing to me that i was so so happy about well shout out to lionsgate for that because like i think again really smart budgeting this movie's, you know, I know the the story came out that it hasn't performed as as they're hoping for this weekend or whatever, but like it made fifty million dollars. It's still gonna make a profit. It's still gonna make a very nice tidy profit for Lionsgate because they budgeted it correctly. Yeah, it's only a hundred million dollar film. That's all you needed it for it to be. Like it, in the landscape that we're in currently, mm. they could have easily been like, we're gonna spend three hundred million dollars on this like a superhero yeah. movie. But there was no need for them to do that. No. And it looks better than most of those movies look right now. At the moment, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's just something I wanted to make sure to like touch on because I was so freaking stoked about that. But I don't think I have anything else more to say that can stay like outside of spoiler territory because right. I really do want to talk about the film. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into spoilers then. Guys, this hold, is- on, hold on, oh. hold on, hold on, oh, hold on. Oh, yeah. I just want to talk about the arena, like going back to what you said um, and bouncing off what Taylor said, like, yeah, being the tenth Hunger Games, it's like completely just like when I first saw it, I was like, it's just like flat ground. I mean, you see it in the trailer, but mm. like it didn't click until I was watching the movie. I was like, they're gonna kill each other in like two seconds. <laughs> like, what's going on? Um, and yeah, it's obviously you see how it escalates from there, but that was something that was also really interesting to see, like when you go from what the Hunger Games and Catching Fire was mm. back to here. It's like, well, that's how it used to be. But anyway, we'll get more into we'll get into that in spoilers. of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, this is your spoiler alert for uh, the new Hunger Games film. So jumping off, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll just jumping right off that um, with like the arena. Like, yeah, you're right. 
I love that a whole plot point of this of this is like, you know, oh god, we're going for more than a day. Yeah, and like, like he's we, like <laughs> like Flickerman is sitting there trying to make dinner reservations for yeah. that night. <laughs> that was oh my god, I lost it. That was incredible. But and I find that fascinating in it, and I and it's something that I actually really love about this movie because you know a, a a common problem with a lot of these prequels is you go this movie is meant to be 20 years in the past uh, is meant to be x amount of years in the past and then yet it looks newer than yeah it did 20 years ago and this one decided no even though it is we it's been 10 years since we did the hunger games we've had very many massive advancements since the hunger games like since in in real world, this one is set sixty five years before our Hunger Games. We are showing that, and I really loved that. I I, I thought that was a really clever, on like a really like good filmmaking decision of no, this thing is strapped back. And I get uh, look, I've never read the book, but I I, I haven't um read this book, so I don't know if that's uh, Susanna Collins part of thing or if that's a. Um, just something that the filmmakers decided, no, we are stripping it back. But, uh, you know, it, it, that's just really smart storytelling. And, I, and I, I give them credit for that. Yeah. And even like um, jumping off what I was about to get into, and then I was like, hold on, let's just get to spoilers first. <laughs> um, basically, like the fact that it is like this flat arena and you're like, oh, this is going to be over really quickly. And it's only when the rebel explosion happens mm. that it becomes like there's stuff to hide up on and there's rooms underneath to go in. So I was like, this just would have been so different. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's really interesting how everyone reacts to that and also just how Snow uses the fact that, hey, people enjoy this more when it's a spectacle and when there's like depth to it instead of just watching kids kill each other for a day. <laughs> um, and obviously that's the start of his whole descent into fucking evil. But <laughs> I do think it's really fascinating because a lot of, you know, we did, we talked about this last week. A lot of big franchises have villain problems, right? Where they just can't or refuse to make these compelling like villains and they just won't you know, whatever it is, like, their antagonists just aren't it. Like, they just don't seem to care about developing them. This movie, to me, was so effective because at the beginning of the movie, you have this kid who is just like, yeah, he was technically born into money and he technically has this family name that's supposed to represent being a rich family. But he spent his whole childhood and young adulthood hiding the fact that they don't actually have money, but he has to pretend like they still do to fit into the capital and still be part of society. And so then when, you know, all of a sudden they're roped into having to mentor the games, like all of a sudden there's mentors now and it's these kids who are, you know, just trying to finish school and he gets roped into this whole thing and it just becomes a whole thing. And he's at this point where he, he's very selfish like, he just wants the money for his family. He wants to finish school. Like, he just wants to be in a better off place than he's ever been able to be, which isn't necessarily an antagonistic or or bad thing. Mm. But then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, he, he gets so caught up in trying to make the games more humane, but it just so quickly snowballs into him making them worse. 
like he had the best intentions but ends up making them worse because he comes up with these suggestions but then that ultimately leads to instead of the games dying out like Peter Dinklage's character was trying, trying. to do, mm. which we find out at the end, he's been trying to kill the games basically mm. this whole time. And snow just brings them back to life. Like that ending like crushes that crushes I, so hard. Mm. <laughs> like to me, it does. I just think it's, it's such a cool arc and it's such a heartbreaking like tragedy. Even if you don't feel bad for him necessarily at the end, it's like that tale of like, sometimes the best intentions don't really matter. It's like where you end up that matters. Mm. Well, like, I, and I, so like this film for me, obviously it is the descent into pure evil, like in, into Snow becoming pure evil. And they try to give, and they're giving Snow some more depth as a villain because I think, and um, it is interesting how, you know, this, this film doesn't really dive into how evil Snow becomes later in life right. and i do find that fascinating like the, the the things that we've known about snow you know the point how he would poison like he has ulcers because he po he would poison his drinks so to make people feel comfortable and stuff like like there was things yeah that snow would do that was pure evil and now and here they're kind of making him a little more no we're showing the descent into that yeah um i like i said i think the first two acts of this movie is pure hunger games really well done really like I, I think we get to see the intelligence of snow the cunning the uh the the drive and will to i am going to do this i am the one who i i'm destined to do this and he has the absolute drive and lack of obvious like you know the Obviously, he does have an element of care, but also he is just no. I, I, this is what I have to do to get my goal, and I find that whole element fascinating with how his character is handled. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um. So, like, well, obviously, so well, do we want to? So, do we want to talk about? that first scene where like we start to get all the the little moments from hunger that we know of the hunger games as in like you know the mentor mentee the um when the 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 zoo like yeah. the, the zoo Damn. was fascinating the, the zoo <laughs> like the zoo was great because again i think it's you actually get a real character arc with Coriolanus in this movie where you know the guy who ends up falling into the zoo cage with the tributes is not the same person we see at the very end of the movie. No. Um, and the fact that he falls in there and Lucy helps him think on his feet and they just turn it into a spectacle. And that's kind of the start of what kicks off them t teaming up, so to speak, and actually trying to do something instead of just kind of being um, skeptical of each other and kind of just like resisting a lot of the, the way that a lot of the other tributes are where they just don't trust the mentors. They don't want anything to do with them. Um, and that definitely brings us to the first brutal as hell moment of the film where I was like, Oh shit. Oh my God, this is going to get real violent, like actually violent. 
the it, that the the glass. Yeah, kill. the glass the, bottle. Yeah, the glass Bro. bottle kill. shocked me. I was not ready for that. No, that was that was the one where I'm shocked that that got through. I'm actually I that one shocks me that that wasn't um that that I mean I guess because there isn't blood and there isn't like they they don't really show it like they they manage to cut around it but like. That one was brutal. That one was so I mean, brutal. even beyond, like, the kills and stuff, like, that was one of the main ones where it was like, holy shit. But, I mean, even just the themes of, yeah, like, them in the zoo, like, it's just so, like you said, Jacob, so, that goes so far beyond the original movies do. And, yeah, that's probably just, like, the book being more, like, I guess because also it was very early on and that's just how they thought, it was right to treat people yeah um so yeah it's just shocking to watch at times which was really interesting so do we want to get into the actual games or is there anything like um anything else from part one that you guys really want to talk about because like uh, that's something i like about is it helps with this where it goes yeah part one part two part three i mean i do think it was also I do like that we got a, a little bit of a look into even the divide, like, in the capital, where, you know, like, people look down on someone like Plinth because, yeah, his dad had money, but, like, they weren't, they didn't come from mm. money. So, He's like, new, so new money, yeah. like, new money from District 2 didn't really mean anything to them. Mm. Um, and just kind of having that whole dynamic there was interesting i did also kind of find it fascinating and and i kind of wish the movie touched upon it a little more in that there are poor people within the capital yeah like you know like snow like snow Snow is poor inside the capital now obviously here he has to make it look like he isn't and that's why he but that i found fascinating the fact that the war ruined people in the capital as well yeah who are still dealing with it Mm. yeah so that that i thought that was interesting and i that there's elements of that where it's like oh you could have touched upon that more or whatever you already but I'm also, complained yeah i'm already complaining so. that the movie's far too long <laughs> so you're not allowed uh, to exactly yeah no um uh but, but yeah we can go to the yeah, games if so you want i you know yeah we we move on into the games um again the stripped backness of it all i yeah. if just like you know them I, I love the concept that it's dying. Like, mm. clearly the games are dying. Like, people aren't watching. Viewership numbers are down. And it's, like, it's a thing. Like, you mm. see just a plain kind of arena where they just throw people in and let them have at it. There's no, there's none of the, te- the technology that they have is drones that run into, you, like, the wall. Yeah. Like, oh they can't. God, that <laughs> those drones. Drones that don't work. The drones were when amazing. Jason Schwartzman was like, oh, we're going to need to fix those drones. <laughs> it was like, ah, oh, you think so? Like, the fact that they were just like smashing into walls and like you could i love that this movie wasn't afraid to show that the technology just wasn't there mm. like they yeah, just they, didn't they use was... technology because it just wasn't a thing they could use but i and not only that but i love that it then became a strategy like mm-hmm. that and it wasn't a breaking the rule that one wasn't breaking the rules like it was just that became a strategy um and and i, I think another element of this that again the movie touches upon and you know if they ever if they will get to it in th- the third act but if they did two-part it there's these elements like oh that could have been interesting to touch upon but like the mentors they knew these kids yeah i thought like that that a lot of them knew them 
and or you know they 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 had started to be like where their age and i i thought yeah. that was an element that the original films never really touched upon at all like there's you know the the mentors from the original movies are not young people they're they're older who, yeah. have, who have who survived and and they've been through it they know what it's uh, the yeah, whole deal whereas is whereas in this one is a whole bunch of of kids who have who don't know what it's like who yeah. haven't been through it who and who a lot of them are like rich capital kids yeah for like literally the start of the movie they couldn't give two shits about the districts yeah and yeah. then all of a sudden they have to try and make these kids survive yeah and i i thought that was a really fascinating take on an angle um that i don't think the movie dives too much into but like there, there's ele- there's moments there where you're like oh that's interesting obviously like plymouth is the main character that they really try yeah. to use to to do that but yeah that um the oh the other the the other brutal part is when is the um is when she slits the wrist, uh, slits the throat of uh, Marcus. Yeah, that one was oh, that was brutal. Yeah, yeah, no, that was that was a lot. Um, like I said, like we've said, it, it it's a lot more openly violent than the other ones were allowed to be, mm-hmm. which I think worked. Like I don't think it was gratuitous or like overwhelming in a way where you're like that's not necessary. Like I think it was a good balance of of showing what they needed to show. In all honesty, it's part of the problem I have with the first Hunger Games movie, and like, I it mean, is that's that fair. It is but that that first one was like these are kids, I know, killing each other, and it's, yeah. it's obviously, we're not going to rag yeah. on the first Hunger Games. Okay, um, it's not going to happen. <laughs> but but I think that's that's something that this movie does so well is really gets across that these are children. Mm. These are like kids. the humanity of yeah the. Um, tributes, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's something that this one, more so than any of the other films have ever done, is... I don't know, I just think... Just how viscerally violent this is. I don't know, I think Rue is still pretty brutal. Yeah, Rue's... Yeah, there's definitely glimpses of that in terms of Rue. You see in the... I mean, with the second Hunger Games, it definitely has a lot of... A lot more, like, tribute-focused in terms of, like, they are all a big group, and you definitely get to know those tributes a lot. Um... But yeah, I guess in terms of the brutality of what we see on screen, mm. besides Rue, this is probably yeah. I thought that worst. it was really funny how they kind of drive home the point that like there are moments where they just expect there to be nothing and no one's watching, so they just do like a weather report. Yeah, <laughs> like like in the middle. <laughs> like, oh my god! It just cuts to doing a weather report of the district because yeah. it's like. Just trying to like well, make stuff up. I just up. love it because, like, they obviously he said that he's like the host of the Hunger Games and a like weather reporter. Yeah, and I was like, an oh, amateur that was magician. Kind of funny, <laughs> but like and an amateur magician. And I was like, oh, that was kind of funny that oh, weather reporter. But then like they actually stick to that, and like just all of a sudden he's doing a weather report. Mm. It's just also that like that just comments on the like these capital people don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, but oh, like, anyway, it, while they're while they're sleeping and not killing each other, here's, here's the weather. On. Like while this thing's gone on for far too long, and we all <laughs> and we're it would upset because be... they're not all dead yet. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that's it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is that yeah, so? And then obviously, yeah, the the you know we we get uh, 
the all the the colorful snakes yeah. coming in. Well, and okay. Before we get we'll to that, to before we get that, I want to talk about um because I thought this was like pretty pretty brutal. Um, I I actually like the way that the film kind of forces really really tough situations between these two, but when. Coriolanus gets sent into the arena mm. and actually has to go. And she's like, uh, they're like, uh, so you're going inside uh to get your BFF out. Cause we know he's your BFF and uh yep, so good luck with that. He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, but it's just it's wild to me that they don't send in like any of like the guards or anything. They're like, No, you're you're going after him. That's just how it's gonna go. So uh yep. Mm. Have fun with That's that and don't die. <laughs> yeah, that's also like, that's the moment I think I might be missing something that happened before that. But obviously, where he has to kill one of the tributes, mm. that's and he hits him over the head, but then he keeps going. Yeah, that for me was one of the first moments where I was like, oh my god, this is him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. This is. Was... Well, yeah. I in my head that was like the first moment I could recall where he was like truly becoming something he hasn't like showing those personality traits that he hadn't shown before that but i wasn't sure if there was something before that that i missed no i think no, that was that's, really that's the, first the that's the first big yeah. moment I mean, of the yeah yeah like i said you get moments before that where you know he's like selfish about things or like you know he like to um to plinth his face like they're best friends but then he'll like shrug him off around other people like there are little things that kind of show that he's maybe not the greatest, but that's definitely the moment where you go, "Oh, he went back in for more." So uh, that's not, it's not great. <laughs> it's not, it's not yeah. a good situation. Because at that point, all he needed to do was injure him enough that they could get away. He didn't need to like destroy his entire skull. Like that was, yeah, that was a whole thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's so that. That's the actual Hunger Games. I'm trying to think of like, I do think it's also interesting that without it having been bombed by the rebels, like there weren't other like places for them to hide or go. Like there was no strategy really that they were able to involve in anything. Like it's just fascinating to me that it literally at the start was just throw them in like a circle where they have nowhere to go. And it's kill each other as fast as possible. It wasn't like drag it out, try and make it like a whole thing like it was just really cool to see a version of the game where like they didn't like they kind of had sponsors but not really and it was like you know like it was cool to see a bare bones version of what we know well not only that i think also it was cool to see tributes go fuck it i know i'm dead so i'm gonna try and take someone out with me like in you know we haven't seen that in the later like in later hunger games movies that's either been beat out of them completely or the capital's gotten smarter. Like here, they were, they were like, no, like the fact that tributes were just going, I don't care that I'm going to get shot. And they're just going to, and and they're like, I'm going to kill someone with along with me. I'm I'm taking someone from the capital with me. Like I thought that was a really interesting element that added like a little bit of a, Ooh, this is slightly scary. Um, so that was really cool. All right. (sighs) Let's get on to this third act. 
well, you wanted okay. to talk about your your rainbow snakes, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I just thought it was really cool visual and like then and her like that that, that one whole... scene of her singing and they're crawling off. Her yeah, body, that, was, that was that was really yeah. cool. And I also think it's cool because it's like just the very start of them playing around with like all the creatures we eventually see yeah. in the arena that are horrific. Like that's just the very very beginning of them mm. toying with that kind of idea mm. of introducing something like yeah, that. Yeah, of like, hey, we're just going to completely do something that will kill several of them because this is a spectacle yeah so that was cool um i don't know if you guys want to talk about this like now because i guess you can kind of talk about it as a third acting but i wanted to bring something up because i had seen most people are really liked how it was used but there were you know those couple people on the internet who are like Meh. um i thought the way that they used like the singing was really well done because it could have been overdone and some people were like oh they were just trying to show off that she can sing it didn't have anything to do with anything i thought they did a pretty good job of like integrating it like yeah yeah it's also like in the book because blake's read the book and he's like well she's a singer in the book so i don't know what you wanted yeah so the song the fucking title is called songs Songs. yeah Yeah. like (laughs) and yeah there was a it was funny because there was a dude sitting in front of us who was talking to whoever he was with before the movie started and was like she obviously wasn't a huge fan but he was and she was like he was like so this is blah 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 blah, but you tell he was so excited and then like she starts singing and he's like is this a musical? <laughs> and he got so worried. Um, and I could see, like, I could, from the back of his head, I could, like, see him rolling his eyes whenever she started <laughs> to sing. And I just don't, I just don't get the problem with it. Like, I don't need, like, I, not I, a full boy musical. No. Like, get over it. Yeah. And even if it was, get over it. Um, and it serves <laughs> the story. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the other thing. Like, I, I think that. Um, the, the, I think I, correct me if I'm wrong. Do they do two in the third act? Do they do like the, well, it's her just singing on stage. Do they do that twice or do they only do it once? I can't remember. Where she's up on stage in the third act. Yeah. I think it's twice it's, because yeah. there's two okay. like instances where she's in that bar. Because right. I think there's I'm the first sure. instance where like she realizes Coriolanus is there. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And yeah. then there's the second one where everything goes to because sh- those are two separate ones, right? Yeah, I think they are. Yeah. Where everything yeah. like kind of goes yeah. crazy. Um yeah, so I think there are two, but they're both pretty short. No, yeah, they're yeah. not they're not full songs, and that's like one of the main things. Like they just they, they don't do the full blown, hey, we're doing a full song here. And, and not only that, like at least the first one, I think they're they're both kind of mixed up a little in my, in my head, but I think the first one is like literally like a story beat. Like there's mm. a song there, yeah. but it's like all you know, it's connecting the two of them again. Like, they know they're in the same district. Like, they're in the same room. But then, like, her ex, like, gets involved. And then it becomes, like, a whole... Like, it is, like, a plot point. It's not just her singing just to sing, which was yeah. kind of my point. There Absolutely. Isn't, there isn't ever really a moment where she's just singing just to sing. Except maybe when they're, like, laying in the field together. Uh, yeah. But, like... But even then, like... But it's, even then, yeah. it's still, like... It's servicing the movie. It's not just, like, hey, we know she can sing, so we're just going to throw random shit... <laughs> And there? it's also like she says it's her, um, like the covey, her community is like. Yeah, that's what they do. Thing. Like yeah. they do that, like, yeah, song, like songwriting, and that's their thing, and playing instruments, all that. So, like, yeah, people who have that opinion just obviously didn't watch the movie. <laughs> or uh, they just like 
really hate songs. Or they're just like, oh, anything that has music in it is a musical, and therefore I can't function as a human. Um, (laughs) But... Anyway, um, uh, all right, so let's, okay, let me actually talk about what my problem with the third act is. All right. Um, <sighs> my, my issue with it is we get to the end of the Hunger Games and then it's like, okay, cool. Now we're at, and the end of the Hunger Games is such a emotional climax of the movie that then I just feel like the neck it's that the next 40 minutes keeps but going. That's just but that's like a film. I know, <laughs> I and know. I, I but like, like I, 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 I just an think emotional climax and then it like No, I know, but you want your you want I I think it's just because I think once it gets to that point, it feels like a different movie. And so at that point it just starts to drag. And it just, I mean, I get it. I get started to. I get where your perspective is. Like, for you, it would be like, it would almost end where, not end, but it would cut like when they're all kind of done with the games. And then we would still get the kind of ending where he gets pulled under her wing, but without spending 35 minutes to get there. Essentially. Like, I kind of like. Like, you just don't like the whole being in District 12 and then them running off together, right? Like, yeah, is that kind of where your problem is? Yeah, and I get why it's in the movie. And it's one of those, like, and we, we'll talk about this afterwards with, like, you know, I totally understand this, especially now having seen it. I and, and I'm assuming the book is the exact same. Like, I'm assuming that that is what happens in the book. But I totally get why the studio was like, did we split this? Mm. I get it. But I've also seen both Mockingjay movies, and I'm and glad like, nope. you didn't split it. So it's kind of a no-win scenario. Well, that's like what it, I asked it, you. I was it, like, I'm going to play devil's advocate and say, okay, if you think that the third act is too long and there's stuff in there and whatever, would you have wanted two movies, or what would you have cut out, or like how? Yeah, and there's not really the, an answer. To that. Yeah, and it's like I would because because like you can't really cut out the District Twelve stuff because it's part of his character development. Not so much hers, but mm. at that point, you're still getting character development for him, uh, especially like when they clearly like they're kind of in the honeymoon phase, but they're clearly both like still a little on edge. And then like they start getting suspicious of each other and it's a little like the tension is there and it all leads up to, you know, that final moment where he like shoots at her and she runs away and like the whole thing ha- like. And then him getting called back to the Capitol, like that all like ramps up to get us to the actual end of the movie. Mm. So it's like, what do you cut? No, (laughs) and it's, it's, it's kind of a, yeah, like damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation. Like I, I, I just, it's, I totally understand why every single scene is there. I wouldn't cut any scene. It just felt like it just felt its length instead of, Instead of the first two acts where you blink and suddenly it's been two hours, I was like, "Oh my god, this thing moves at a, uh, at an absolute mile a minute," and then suddenly it's, "Oh, we're and into a snail's place," down. and then yeah. we're in a real snail's place, and it just the balance wasn't there for me personally. And I, and again, I don't know how to fix it. I don't think you can fix it. I think it's inherently a problem with the st- with with the book as well, um, and just with the story that they're telling. I think it's just inherently that problem. In that, in that, in a book, you can do it. In a movie, 
you have to adapt and i don't know if you would have adapted that it well enough to make it to to, to like fix, cut it out to mean? fix that problem yeah, yeah so like I, I i get why they they did it this way it just to me was this is an issue i think so for me it wasn't an issue it was more just like I was intrigued by it because it takes a, it does take like a hard turn and mm. it slows down and you like you kind of have to figure out where you're going. Um, and I, I mean, I personally really liked it. I don't think it's as punchy or as tight as the first two thirds, like the first two thirds move and you're like in it. And it's it's very like I don't think there's anything within the two first two thirds you'd need to cut out or fix or like it's really well made. Third act, I think, is well-made, too, but it just has to kind of take a different... Like, it can't be the same speed as the rest of the movie was, like, just because of what they're trying to achieve. Like, they kind of have to turn it into a bit of a slow burn mm. for you to get the tension and the payoff that they want you to have by the time you get to the actual end of it. Um, But can we also just talk about, like... Because, I, I, again, I think this was such a great through line for the movie, and it was really a big part of um, Coriolanus really stepping into who he becomes and just kind of having to accept it. But when he, like, lets Plinth get hanged and just, you know... Yeah. Like, when it gets to a point where he makes that decision to record the conversation that they have about the rebel plans and let it be sent off and just, you know, has made, has drawn his line in the sand of he's not going to be a part of any of that because he's knows he wants to have a future that lets him go back to the Capitol. Hmm. Like he doesn't want to admit that he, it means he's probably going to have to leave Lucy gray behind. He doesn't want to admit that, you know, it means that the only real friend it seems like he's ever had, he's going to have to, abandon be a traitor too hmm. like for me like that moment where that happens and then he goes back and is looking through his stuff and it's the photo of the two of them <laughs> dude oh oh like that that i like i knew that it was coming just because like that storytelling like you yeah. knew something was gonna happen to plinth Mm. but like i just i love the way that their intertwining story like ended up playing out because it, because then it also wasn't just like a. I mean, her character had more agency than this, but it wasn't just like a, oh, a girl broke his heart and now he's evil. Mm. <laughs> it just wasn't that storyline that like <laughs> happens fair. a lot of the time. It yeah. was also like, no, he had to like throw his friend to the wolves and literally let him die, and he had to like betray all these people and like he had to cheat and he had mm. to be okay with cheating and like. Just I don't know. I just thought it was a good element to it where it almost felt like to me, it almost felt like Lucy was secondary to not to the story as a whole, because I thought she was great, but almost to like his whole deal. Like, mm. I almost felt like his, the friendship thing was the more was the more like, yeah, gut wrenching at the end of the day. Like when they separated where like he shoots at her and she disappears, I was kind of like, OK, but when the whole friendship thing like that got to me. That mm. that one really got to me. Um, and I do think that um, Lucy and Coriolanus had great chemistry. Like, I thought they were really good together. So it wasn't that. 
but I just, for some reason, like the friendship thing really hit me. I was mm. like, damn, damn, no, <laughs> no, I'm feeling too many things. <laughs> Lanny? Yeah, I agree with you, Jacob, in terms of like the slog of it, but now of what Taylor said, it's like, it's, it's also just, I think from what everyone I know who's read the book has said, it's just like, that's how the book goes. And then when you, it's visualized in a movie, it's like, you can obviously see the like hard left turn into more slow filmmaking. Um, so it's probably just an adaptation problem, but like, it's so necessary as Taylor's saying to Snow's like person, like how, like his humanity and the inner workings of his brain. It's like, without all of that um or the, the last 40 minutes like obviously there's a lot of it in the first two acts but i think it focuses more on the games and the other tributes and um lucy and stuff like that and it's only yet in that third act where you really get to see tr how truly crazy he's going <laughs> um and also dives deeper into his relationship with lucy um and yeah, that's basically my thought on that. All right. Anything else? Does anyone else to? have anything else they want to? I mean, I just want to rewind and talk about Hunter Schaefer because my oh, yeah. goodness, my goodness. She didn't have a lot to do, but what she did have to do, slayed every single second. Yeah. Just born for that. Born for it. Like 11 out of 10. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, she was destined to play this role. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, the, the Twitter the, thing? The uh, Halloween. Yeah. Where she was like, yeah, she dressed up as a person from the Capitol in Halloween yeah. or 2013 yeah. or something. Yeah. Which, that's Amazing. Cool. That's cool. Um, I'm trying to think. I think we pretty much covered everything. I'm just trying to think if there was, like, really anything else, but... Unless you guys can think, I'm probably we're gonna stop recording. And I'm gonna be like, damn it! Oh, damn it. Ah. <laughs> uh. I do just want to say, like the very end, like um, title card of the graphics of the the um, songbird and a snake, like just that end title card that every Hunger Games movie has. Just like seeing that on the big screen again was like the thing that I was like, oh my god, this is so good. I love it. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> Oh, you got your, you got your, <laughs> you got your franchise, like, not my moment. Nostal like, I oh, actually, yeah, and it's also that, like, I, there were 12 year olds in the cinema, and I was like, I was that age. <laughs> you got your nostalgic hit. Actually, that was something I, I did find funny, like, you know, uh, Star Wars to, so from Star Wars to Phantom Menace, 15 years, Harry Potter to Fantastic Beast, 15 years, um, Lord of the Rings to Hobbit, 15 years. Hunger Games, they did it in seven. They're <laughs> like, like, nope. Seven years. They're like, we ain't got time for yeah, that. No. Honestly, I think I think that I, actually is going to be indicative of where we're, the industry is going. You know what I do think is a little different, though, compared to all the other ones? Mm. Like, there was a book that came out. Yeah. And it was a damn good book. Like, yeah. it came out and people were like, oh, my God. Like, cause, cause when the book was announced, people are like, "Oh, do we need an origin story for Snow? Like, who cares about the villain? Like, why do we want to hear more about Snow?" Like, people were not happy. They were happy she chose to wrote another to write another book in the Hunger Games world, and then they figured out it was Snow, and people were pissed. Mm. They were not happy. And then the book came out, and it was like, 
okay, maybe. Maybe this <laughs> actually, maybe we overreacted just slightly. But I also think that that's an element of it too, is it's the first one of all, I, like, okay, The Hobbit doesn't count because I, I know it's a book, but like it was so far <laughs> removed from yeah, it being yeah. a book. Um, yeah. It's the first one of these where it's The it's Hobbit, they took like a 50-page book and went, we're going to turn this into eight hours of film. And you're like, um, okay. <laughs> but like, Lord of the Rings, mate. Yeah. But like, you, yeah, you're probably right. It's the first one of these that's like an actual like because Fantastic Beasts beast. isn't really a book. No, it's not. It's, it's a text. It, it's yeah, like a textbook. It's an original. It's yeah. I, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's her, not her writing has been an original adaptation, like of of that. Yeah, Star Wars is obviously its own thing, and yeah. So I think you're probably right that that have has a massive impact uh, thing of it. I just more think like especially now that we're seeing with what Star Wars is doing with Daisy Ridley and it's like hey this next movie is set 15 years after the end of Rise of Skywalker it's been not even 5. Yeah, like, I know. like that uh, element of the industry of like we're going to start speeding up nostalgia and no, I'm and really interested to see where that goes. I do think it's part of it but I do think someone looked at it and like knew what they had. Mm. Like I do think someone like saw the book like the reception to it and then just like knew what they had and then when they got francis lawrence to like mm. agree to come back and then like i yeah. don't know i just i think i do think you're right though like my own personal biases aside i think it is the best like prequel of the four of yeah. the four like because i will defend star wars to my death but that's just because i saw that movie in theaters mm. like when it came out when i was like <laughs> whatever you know like eight or whatever it was um but no i i really think it's a great addition to a, a pretty solid franchise. Um, and I'm, I'm actually really um, curious to see how people feel about it. I'm glad that they just made it a one and done mm. that they weren't like, we're going to turn this into a trilogy. Yeah. Like I think third act possible problems aside, I think it's really solid as a one and done. Like, I yeah. don't think I would want them to drag it out into a trilogy. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad they are. Like, I I could, depending on how this, I mean, given the numbers, it probably is just going to be a one and done. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious to see if they ever do decide to come, return to this franchise, what they do. I mean, who knows? 15 years from now, we could get the, hey, here's the legacy sequel. Um, yeah. It's the... <laughs> It's the only one left the, to, to not really, like... And, I mean, and the thing is, too, like, they have left the door open if they really wanted to. Like, there is more of Snow's story, you could definitely yeah. tell. Like, mm. if they ever wanted to come back to it, they left a good chunk in the middle where... Yeah. You could recast and like mm. keep telling the story. No, I'm more meaning. I'm meaning that the Jennifer Lawrence. No, no, no. Josh, I get Josh it. No, Hodgson, I get it. But I'm like, saying like they there's a big chunk yeah. of time from the tenth to the whatever. Mm. I don't know it off the top of my head. Yeah. So the ones that we get in like the original Hunger Games, like there's a chunk of time there you could yeah. do. You could. You're right though. You could have it be like, oh, it's time for J Law. And Josh Hutcherson, there it's time for them to be mentors hey, now. They, and they, they, they want their twenty million dollar contract. It's, <laughs> it's time for them to uh, be the drunk mentors that want nothing yep. to do with anything. But we'll see what happens. But no, I I dug this movie. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, uh, Landy, where your final thoughts? I don't know if I have any. Just epic filmmaking. I honestly like having this conversation. I might bump up my rating, but I think I'm just on the high of. <laughs> It's already a four, so that's like a four and a half, nearly perfect. So I think I'm just on the high of talking about this movie, but we'll see. 
Uh, yeah, look, I, like I said, I think it is a very, very good movie. I think there are a lot of it that is very, very good. I just can't put it up in that great category. I, I think this is a very good movie. Um, uh, I thorough, I did enjoy majority of it. I think that it is the second best of this Hunger Games franchise. So yeah, no. Nah. Um, but that that kind of that concludes this episode. Uh, we have a big week next week. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend here in the Woo! states. Uh, so it being Thanksgiving, I roast a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, three massive movies uh, coming out. Obviously, we have Wish from uh, the new the new Disney animated film. I'm not excited. Y'all are lucky. I saw. Um, yeah, we are very lucky that we are actually able to talk about it. Uh, we'll get Napoleon, new Ridley Scott movie and then uh we get to deep dive into salt burn and i'm very fascinated <laughs> to see how oh, that I'm conversation so goes yeah um but until then guys uh laney where can they find you online you can find me if you search elena violet or laney film into any platform you'll find me i i'm not gonna try and <laughs> say which one's which i'll fix it soon <laughs> Taylor, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me pretty much everywhere at Finally Tailored, Twitter, Letterboxd, YouTube, TikTok, Tumblr, just all the all the places pretty much that exist online. You can find me there. Um, you can find me writing um, articles about music stuff at On the Fringe Zine, which I have been neglecting slightly lately, but uh, new stuff coming. So, yeah, well. Given the money we just dropped on a certain festival, I, yeah, yeah, boy, I, guess who just spent more money than I ever want to think about <laughs> ever again in my life on two days of the When We Were Young festival in Vegas next year. Um, a week before we're getting a married. week before we're getting married. <laughs> you so. guys are insane. I oh, it's just I'm me not going. going. I'm it's, it's just, just Taylor. Oh, okay. I'm not going. Well, Taylor, it's her. It's her bachelorette party now. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> True, anyway. Good. Um, we're not going to talk about or think about how much money that cost because it'll make me want to die, but it's fine because it's going to be worth it. So anyway, uh, you guys can find me pretty much everywhere at Jacob London. Um, I may potentially be having a new show dropping soon with our good friend JTE. Um, I recorded, I filmed one section of it where I talked, uh, I went through all of my steelbooks and Criterion movies, just the steelbooks and Criterions, and it recorded for over uh, nearly two hours of just going, this is what Jesus I own. Christ. So, um, yeah, that's that's a lot. Uh, it's, it's going to be fun, though. So uh, keep an eye out for that coming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, until then, guys, this has been the Lights on the Screen podcast, and we will see you next week. <laughs>